0: All right, all right. Um, listen, hope you all are still are still coming on even even now. Um, that was crazy. Listen, that's a, that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, Tasha Cobbs is 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 one of my favorite worshipers and, and gospel artists. So I was listen, I was vibing hard, and then uh, and then and then that abrupt stop came, but that's all right. Uh, we are back, and and I'm excited uh, to be here with you all. I'm excited for this worship experience. I pray that you've been blessed so far. If you're here with us. And you've been blessed so far. You're ready to get into this word. Um, just say, I'm ready once again. Some of you've already started putting that in there, um, and that's and that's good enough for me. As you as you're coming in now, just say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because we're gonna get right into this thing right now. I believe that the Lord has something to say uh to each one of us, right? Um, and I know that that, that we are uh, that we are here with our two churches. Uh, temple of praise and grace community. But I'm also aware uh, that we have some others who have, many others who who, have, who are joining us from other faith, um, uh, places of of, of faith and, and other churches and from around this country and yay, even around the world. And so we just wanna say welcome once again, grateful that you are here. We're gonna go right ahead and get into this word, y'all. Listen, I, I am still, and I'm I'm sure that I'm speaking for somebody else i am still on fire from last week i just want to go ahead and say that before we even get into this word right now those of you who were here you know that the lord like listen the lord descended on this stream last week and had his way through his manservant pastor myron if you were here you know what i'm talking about if you weren't here you need to go back and watch that thing uh the lord used him in a mighty way as we've just been continuing to move through this series enough is enough powerful word right from first corinthians talking about us talking about the church and talking about sinfulness and toleration of it and and listen if you, if you have not seen it you need to go see it we're going to be building on on this book of first corinthians if you've been blessed so far then we are grateful to hear that um we're going to go ahead and see what god has to say to us today enough enough all right so so go ahead and grab your bibles um grab your your iphones um your androids if if people still doing that these days (laughs) no i'm just kidding go ahead and grab what you what you want to grab listen i i really don't even have a title for uh for this message today if i gotta just slap something on there then then i guess i'll just say something like real christianity if you want to put that in the comments you can you don't have to uh but if i'm gonna put anything on it i'll just say real christianity okay real christianity because i didn't really have a title for it the lord just started feeding me some stuff i received it it was a conviction to me it was a a blessing to me it was also a rebuke to me and i'm just praying that some of what god shared with me as i'm doing my best to relay it to you that it will be a blessing to you the goal is god make us more like you that's what we're after y'all i hope you don't think that that we're getting on here, myself and and the other two, that we're getting on here week after week because we wanna entertain you, uh, right? Um, You know, we we just wanna help you to feel good and and just give you something that'll provide some source of of entertainment. That's not why we're here, y'all. If that's why we're here, then we missing this thing by a mile. We're, we're here week after week after week following the lead of God because we want to see Temple of praise and grace community experience some things in God that we have never experienced before in our story's history. That's what we're after. We want everything that God wants for us, okay? And so my prayer is, is that you can hear our hearts. You can hear our hearts as we move throughout this series. So I've been given the awesome responsibility and privilege to speak to you today from uh, 1 Corinthians 8 and, and 9. Now, uh, before, before you like, man, we're gonna be here all day. We ain't preaching every, every verse in those, in those chapters, uh, but we're gonna be going back and forth and looking at some very important things within that collection of verses and, and chapters 8 and 9. But for the purposes of right now, I, I just wanna uh, direct your attention to 1 Corinthians. If you got your word and you're ready, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to read a very familiar set of verses that I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have heard at some point before. First Corinthians chapter nine. And I want to read in your hearing verses 19 to 23. And we're going to be moving around in these two chapters, but I just want to zero in right here. That's where we're going to land. Uh, when it's all said and done first Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 23 I'm just praying uh that you're with me right now and we're gonna go ahead and read this thing uh the word of God the word of God let's have a word of prayer Lord we thank you so much for your word we thank you for the privilege of being able to be here today we thank you for the Sabbath where we get to remember what you've done for us and God as we move into your word today we pray that you would set captives free that you would break down strongholds that you would change hardened hearts that you would give us the mind of Christ god help us to see you in a new way and see your word in much the same way we thank you god for this opportunity have your way is my prayer in jesus name amen and amen here it is y'all 1st uh, corinthians chapter 9 beginning at verse 19 here's what paul says paul says for though i am free from all men. Interesting. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. So to the Jews I became as a Jew. This is Paul speaking, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under law, I became as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. You see the pattern here. To those who are without law far as to say even those who are without law he says i've become as without law but but not being without law toward god but under law towards christ but i did that paul says that i might win those who are without the law so the weak i became as weak that i might win the weak. Here here it is paul says um i could i could go on and on and on paul said but he said that if i'm really getting down to the nuts and bolts of it here it is right here i have become all things somebody shout that right where you are you can put it in the comment section i've become all things but just shout it into the atmosphere i can't hear you but the spirit of god can paul says uh, i said all that to say this i have become all things to all men and i'm gonna include women in that thing i've become all things to all men and women here it is That I might by all means save some. Verse 23. Now, this I do, not to get a pat on the back, not for others to say, you're a great pastor, Paul, not for people to give me accolades and trophies. Paul says, I do this for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you. I have become all things to all men. That I might by all means save some, and I do this. Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. Listen, I, I'm well aware that, that this is going to rub some people the wrong way, um, uh, and and it may get a little a little tense up and through here for a few moments, and and that's all right, yo. I, I just feel like I got to give it to you the way that God gave it to me. And it was a rebuke. It was a slap in the face. We're going to go ahead and get right into God's word because it's a whole lot right here that Paul is saying. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that although well-meaning, I need you to hear my heart on this. Although well-meaning, I believe that most believers are selfish believers. Watch this. Starting with me. I ain't gotta call nobody out on this thread. That's between you and your walk with God. I just believe, I don't know enough to say everybody, but I'm gonna go out on a limb here, okay? And and I'm gonna say, although I believe well-meaning, I believe so many of you are well-meaning. I believe that I'm well-meaning when it comes down to it, but, but still I feel in my core, and I'm praying for the spirit of God to help us with this thing. I just believe that most believers, not everyone, but most believers are selfish believers starting with me. In other words, our entire paradigm, the way that we think and operate concerning how we serve God and worship God is often completely motivated by self. I need you to stay with me because we're going somewhere, all right? Uh, the, The way that we think, the way that we do Christianity, the way that we do religion and church, concerning how we serve God and how we worship God. It is my, my belief uh, that it is oftentimes completely motivated by self. Now, uh, now, I know I have in the past, and many of us, here's what we do. We cover it up under the pretense that we are serving and worshiping and living a certain way for God right so we clean that thing up and we cover it up by saying yeah the way i'm living what i'm doing the things i choose not to do all those kind of i'm doing it for god but but here's the reality that if the curtain were pulled back if the curtain were pulled back and the real were revealed, we would be completely exposed is what I'm suggesting on this Sabbath day. And here is what would be exposed. Help me, Lord, because I'm preaching to myself. Here is what would be exposed, that the average believer's life shows no concern for the spiritual nurture or well-being of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, yeah. But for the average believer, I don't know enough to say everybody, but for the average believer, I believe Paul is showing us here that for the average believer's life, it shows no concern, really, for the spiritual nurture, progress or well-being of their brothers and sisters in Christ. The average Christian lives in a way that suggests that as long as my spirituality is being nurtured. As long as I am seeing progress in my individual walk with the Lord, as long as my well-being is taken care of, the rest really does not concern me or matter too much to me. So that when it comes to how I live, my preference is the only thing that matters. When it comes to what I choose to do, my feelings about it are really the only thing that matters. Uh, when it comes to the activities that I decide to engage in or take part in, uh, my clear conscience is the only thing that really takes up residence in my mind, because in my mind, as long as how I live and what I do and the activities that I engage in, as long as they aren't sinning against God, as long as I can't find a text that speaks against what it is that I'm trying to do, in my mind and heart, that's really the only thing that matters. And here it is. Most of us have lived our entire spiritual experience with that selfish mentality towards Christianity. And I need you to see this. Paul here, Paul here says that living a Christian experience that is solely based on my walk with the Lord, living a Christian experience that is solely based on my spiritual progress, living a Christian experience that only takes into account how I'm moving with God is not the Christianity that Jesus is after. Okay, all right. So so listen, uh, if if you take any offense towards what's been said up to this point, uh, you gotta take that argument up with brother Paul, because I believe it's Paul, that is speaking these words to us saying, listen, I think that Jesus is after a little bit more in regards to Christianity and how it's lived out than than what we've been offering. I just believe Paul is teaching that Jesus expects a little more, that Jesus is after more than what we have been displaying and what we've been presenting to him and then calling it Christianity. Watch this. We're we're in the text. The the church in Corinth the church in Corinth was made up of a conglomerate of people in other words that's a fancy word for saying it was a whole lot of different people there in that church that the spirit of god gave paul the the inspiration to start uh, in that church were people who actually grew up in the faith there were some people who've been believers for some time some people who kind of knew uh the ins and outs of of that kind of church and what was expected but watch this those weren't the only people that made up membership of that church because there was a whole other group of people who converted, newly converted from various religious backgrounds. So here it is, here it is. The city of Corinth was known for its many deities, many gods and for their idol worship. And in fact, most of that society engaged in pagan practices that were intended, stay with me, that were intended to be an act of worship to those deities. Here's what I'm suggesting, that in the city of Corinth, there were a whole lot of people, most people I would argue, that participated in pagan rituals and religious practices, that if we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, with the knowledge that we have of God and his word, when we look at some of the things that they engaged in, we would say, y'all are wicked people to our standards of christianity and what we know about god we would look at some of their practices and say that's immoral there's something wrong with y'all and pastor myron mentioned a whole lot of that in that message last week where he was talking about some of those God-forsaken things that not only happened outside the church, but that people now brought in the church and were doing in there. But here is the, here's the main premise that I'm trying to drive home, that as these individuals were taking part in these pagan rituals, these pagan spiritual practices, they were not trying to be immoral. Oh, please, please stay with me. In their minds, they weren't saying, how can we best dishonor God with our lives? Let me do this. How can we best spit on the name of God, let me do this? No, in their mind and in their culture where it was the norm to have multiple gods and multiple deities and to engage in idol worship, they were not trying to be immoral. They were trying to honor God. So they did participate in orgies. They did participate in prostitution. They did participate in blood sacrifices. And here, what we see in our text, they even participated in the eating of sacrificial meals of various deities that were not the true God, but they were doing them as unto their God. A couple of this, couple of this. With the fact that the pagans in that Corinthian society attributed material uh, material wealth, monetary wealth, status and reputation, they attributed those things to their allegiance to those deities so that in their minds, what we do for our God how we honor them, the practices that we engage in that are to the glory of their name, that's going to see to it that we are blessed in ways in which we want to be blessed that will make sure that our statuses in society are elevated just a little bit if we pay homage to these gods if we give our allegiance uh, to these gods if we worship them in the ways that we've been doing that will ensure that we will live a blessed life now here is where it here's where it gets a little confusing because in the corinthian pagan worship society none of the deities lords or gods, lowercase, none of them demanded, according to the Corinthian culture, none of them demanded exclusive worship or commitment like our God, right? We serve a God that says, I'm a jealous God. There won't be any other gods before me. I'm not tolerating it. I'm not standing for it. I'm not standing for idolatry and making other images, uh, graven images gods and you serving them. We serve a God that says there's only one God, right? The Lord our God is one serve him. In that society, it was not commonplace uh, to only serve one God because in their minds and according to their beliefs, none of the deities they served demanded exclusive worship like our God does. So what that means? Meant then that you could get up in the morning and you can worship one deity in the morning, and then you can sacrifice to another deity at noonday, and then you could eat a meal that was sacrificed and offered to another deity at dinner time, and in their eyes, they would be even more blessed for it than by serving just one God. Ah, so, here, so here it is, y'all. Here it is. I hope that you're with me. You're getting this. I, I need us to understand, and I believe Paul is pointing this thing out. That there is a cost converting. See, now, now in our minds, we expect that, that as long as we give people Jesus, that as long as we teach people the truth as it is from Genesis to Revelation. As long as we teach them uh, the prophetic word of the Bible and the things that they should know, all they need is Jesus and all they need is to understand what he expects of us and then everything else will work itself out. Understand that when we teach things that way, we we are not paying respect to the lives that people are having to cut ties with in order to give their lives to God. Now, am I saying that it's not worth it to serve God? Absolutely not, it's worth it to serve God. It's worth it to know Jesus for yourself. It's worth it to move from darkness into his marvelous life. But I believe that too many times we treat it as easy when someone converts from their previous life and gives their heart to the one true God. So watch this. The new believers here that Paul has evangelized and converted into Christianity are trying to balance their new identity as Christians where they moved from a culture where they served multiple gods and now they're moving towards um, a, a culture and an identity where they serve one god exclusively and so they're trying to balance uh their identity new identity as christians with their allegiance to god with their assimilation back to that same pagan Corinthian culture that they just came out of. I wonder if there's anybody on this stream that recognizes that you don't just stop living because you become a Christian. And I wish we stopped sending this message to people that what they do after baptism doesn't matter because you gotta believe that once they come up out of that watery grave, they may be a seven-day adventist. They may be a Christian, but they got to go right back to the same jobs they came from. They got to go right back to the same neighborhoods they came from. They got to go right back to the same families they came from. They got to go right back to the same social uh, circles that they came from. And even though they're a new Christian, they're a new SDA believer, they still have to go back and assimilate themselves somehow into the same places they just came out of. And here is why that's not something to just wink at, because you and I know that when it comes to giving our lives to God and being baptized into his gospel, that it requires a whole life change. Somebody that's, that's with me so far, just put in in the comment section, your whole life changes. Your whole life changes. Uh, the way you eat changes and the way you carry yourself changes. So the day of the week you might worship changes. So the, the, the word of God and a relationship with God calls for holistic change. And as soon as they were baptized, they had to go right back out to the same pagan culture and somehow figure out how to live. Here is where it gets sticky, y'all. Their devotion to those deities were often attached to their places in society and in their own families. Uh, uh, not only, not only did, did their relationship and their allegiance and their worship to those deities come attached to their place in society, but it oftentimes kind of, kind of governed their family life their livelihood and well-being were entrenched in those same pagan religious practices that they were brought out of and so converting to christianity was much more than just coming out of darkness into god's marvelous light it often meant losing not only the perceived benefit of those deities but it meant losing family members it meant losing societal connections it it meant losing resources it meant losing uh it meant losing friendship it meant living in shame where now in the very place and city they call home they are seen not as a friend they're seen now as a traitor they're seen now as the enemy they're seen now as public enemy number one so here it is y'all here it is on one hand on one hand they are having to contend Uh, with being ostracized in the place that they call home. Family members wanting nothing to do with them. Uh, Bosses and and coworkers wanting nothing to do with them. Friendship circles that they once were in wanted nothing to do with them. Curses placed on top of them. On on one hand, they had to deal with being ostracized and cut off in the place that they called home. But watch this, it gets even worse than that because on the other hand, because of the selfishness of the Jewish believers that they now shared a church with, they were constantly having thrown in their faces temptations from the previous lives out of which they had just come as if it wasn't hard enough to lose family, as if it wasn't hard enough to lose jobs, as if it wasn't hard enough to lose friends, now the very people who I'm supposed to be in a faith community with are using their liberty to make my spiritual growth that much more difficult. For instance, let's say you were an alcoholic. And for some of us, that was our story. But even if it wasn't your story, let's just say, pretend with me, make believe that you were an alcoholic. Uh, You your struggle with drink, having a hard time putting the bottle down, right? You're an alcoholic. Now let's just say there were a group of people uh, out of the kindness of their hearts, whatever, took a liking to you, and they helped you to get to a place of sobriety where no longer where you were you depending on the bottle the way that you used to uh where, where there was once a time where you thought you would never not be an alcoholic they were they helped to guide you to a place where where you no longer depended on that for your life you no longer turned to that when things got difficult and for all intents and purposes you were no longer the same alcoholic that you had always been well let's just say those same people who helped you to move from alcoholic to sobriety, let's just say that, that because alcoholism is not their struggle, that now when you all go out to dinner or when they invite you over their house or when they go over your house, they always have a drink in their hands and are drinking in front of you. Yeah, yeah, even though they knew how difficult it was for you to put the bottle down. Even though they knew how how difficult it was for you to move out of that addiction, even though they watched you and walked with you as you battled your way through that demonic addiction, Uh, now those same people, because they don't struggle with alcoholism, because they can take one sip and they'll be okay, now they drink in front of you. Can you imagine how difficult that would be to be constantly faced with the very temptation that you just came out of? and so here here in our framework in chapters eight and nine of first corinthians paul receives word that there is some insensitive behavior taking place in god's church amongst god's people and here they make it very specific paul is dealing with the eating of foods that have been offered to idols so watch it watch it here in chapter eight Paul juxtaposes knowledge and love, you with me? Knowledge and love. And if you've been rocking with us for a while through our study in 1 Corinthians, you know that knowledge and wisdom has a very heavy emphasis in the book of 1 Corinthians, where Paul kind of contrasts between uh, foolish knowledge and godly knowledge foolish wisdom, and godly wisdom. And so here, Paul brings back this idea of knowledge, but not foolish knowledge, godly knowledge, in regards to the eating of foods that are normally sacrificed or offered to idols. Now, the question becomes, What is the knowledge that Paul is referring to? If you got your Bibles with you, uh, you can reread this. You can read this right along with me in chapter eight, verses four through six. What is this knowledge that Paul is talking about? The word says, therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Paul says we, the, the, the believers, right, who didn't come out of that pagan society, we know that idols are nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods, lowercase and many lords, lowercase, verse six, yet for us, there is one God the father of whom are all things and, and we are for him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. Paul says, here is the knowledge that we have that when I eat this, this food, when I eat this meal, I know I'm not eating it to no idol. I'm not eating it to pay homage to no other deity or no other lesser than God than the one I serve because I am well aware that there is only one God. I'm well aware that there's only one Lord Jesus Christ. But here is Paul's issue. That although in the church, not everyone, that, that although in the church Not everyone fully had that knowledge yet in order to be able to be comfortable enough to still eat those foods that they used to eat towards idols with a clear conscience. Now remember, 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 so many years of their lives were spent eating those same foods to idols and to other gods. And here's what I need to understand that deciding to follow Jesus did not erase the memory of their past lives. And sometimes I believe we get a little impatient and unreasonable when we expect people to just move past automatically the lives that they used to live. Just move past where you came from and, and what you've been through. You're in the church now. And we. Expect things out of people that we did not even expect from ourselves when we came into the church. So surely I believe we can understand what some of these new Christian converts were going through as they were trying to sift through what would be appropriate for them to do and what would lead them back into some of the ways of unrighteousness that they just came out of. And many of us, I believe, uh, know what it's like to experience what they experienced, where after coming into the church, we experience some triggers. Yeah, somebody put triggers in the comment section. Uh, when we came into the church as as new believers, there there were some triggers that reminded us of the life that we came out of. See, for some, for some, uh, hearing a certain musical chord. In a gospel song, haha, uh, might be a trigger that reminds you of, of of when you used to tear up the dance floor in the club on Friday night. But for somebody else, a certain style of dress that you see somebody wear in the church maybe might be a trigger that reminds you of how you used to dress and some of the things you used to do when you were dressed like that. Come on, if you can't say amen, say ouch. But for some, a certain behavior. Ex- in the church uh, might be a trigger for you that reminds you of some of the ungodly things that you used to do similar to that behavior. And here it is, just because we come into the church, just because we give our lives to the Lord, just because we turn from our wicked ways does not automatically mean that we somehow get amnesia about our past. The devil is a liar. You know exactly what you used to do. I know exactly who I used to be. And what makes it even worse is when people in the church is what makes it even worse. Is when the people in the church, in the church, who are supposed to be our greatest source of support end up being our biggest stumbling block. Ah, hope y'all are getting this thing the way the Lord's giving it to me. Watch this, y'all. Not only is living a Christian experience that is solely focused on my spiritual progress, my spiritual growth, not only is living a Christian experience like that not the Christianity that Jesus is looking for. It is even sinning against Jesus. Uh, oh, it's going to get rough right here. And so I need y'all to see it from Paul so that you don't blame Pastor Drew. Watch this, verse 12, verse 12. Paul says, but when you thus sin against your brethren and wound their conscience, wound their weak conscience, the Bible says, you sin against Jesus. In other words, here's what Paul says: When I am knowingly participating in behavior that could be a stumbling block for one of my brothers or sisters in Christ, I am not only sinning against them, but Paul says I'm sinning against God. Here it is, y'all. The Christianity that Jesus requires and is looking for is not easy. And if anybody told you it's easy, that's a lie. Uh, The Christianity he's looking for is not easy and it cannot be achieved through selfishness. I came on here to tell somebody right now that as it pertains to the Christianity that Jesus is looking for, it's not about me not about you come on somebody somebody who's with me who's humble enough to just declare it ain't about me And it's not about you it's not about what i want to do uh, the christian walk is not about what i want to say and where i want to go and how i want to live it ain't about me and it ain't about you and here's why paul paul i love paul y'all because he's so real paul comes on here and says listen i need to kind of set things straight as it pertains to the christianity that jesus is looking for and here is the conclusion thank you paul here is the conclusion that paul arrived at in his walk with the lord paul said listen we see it in verse 13 if food offered to idols makes my brother or sister stumble i won't eat it listen y'all paul says it's as simple as that When I signed up to give my life to God, I recognized that I was not just getting into this thing for myself, but I got people that I'm walking this Christian journey with. And if eating foods that are offered to idols that they used to eat when they were worshiping other gods, if that presents a stumbling block for them, I won't eat it to get to a place in my walk with the lord where i feel the exact same way paul did listen if bumping gospel hip-hop in my car when my brother or sister is riding with me causes them to stumble i'll change the station if going to the beach on sabbath causes my brother or sister to stumble i'll take them somewhere else and here's why because we honor god by being accountable to our brothers and sisters in christ Being able to do what I want to do and how I want to do it and when I want to do it simply because my conscience is clear and it's not a sin, according to the Bible, is not worth someone else having a struggle in their walk with God. Too many times we have been living our Christian experience with blinders on, paying no attention to how we're affecting sister so-and-so, how we're affecting brother so-and-so, how we're affecting the young people that's watching, how we live. Paul says, if doing what I'm doing causes you to stumble, even if it's not a sin, I won't do it. Okay, so watch this, y'all. We're almost done, watch this, watch this. Uh, I was reading a commentary or an article rather, from Vanderbilt University um, on this particular section of 1 Corinthians. And, and a man by the name of Dr. David E. Garland, he said something that sent shivers down my spine. I never thought about it like this. And here's what he says. Dr. David E. Garland said this concerning this text. He said, concern for the welfare of your fellow Christian becomes the key for deciding what is right and what is wrong. Oh, that was deep right there. Did you catch that? Dr. Garland, one of my word, that was Dr. Garland. Dr. David Garland says, concern for the welfare of your fellow Christian becomes the key for, what, for, for deciding what is right and what is wrong. He says, listen, we all know, come on, we all know that there are some things, uh, many things that the Bible is very clear, and it makes it and, it, and it's very intentional in saying, that's a sin, don't do that. The Bible is very clear in many areas where it mandates that's a sin, don't do that. That's sinful. Don't engage in that. So, so let's take all of those things that the Bible talks about as sin, put them in a category, and set them to the side because that's not what Dr. Garland's talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about, and it's not what I'm talking about. So, take those things and set them to the side. We're talking about things that are permissible. We're talking about those activities that are allowed. We're talking about those things that the Bible does not call a sin. And Dr. Garland said that how we live our Christian experience it should not be based on well the. Bible doesn't call this a sin, so I should be able to do it. Well, God didn't say this was wrong, so I should be able to do it, and it does not matter uh, who looks at it or who likes it or who approves of it. No, Dr. Garland said, here is what Christians say. Concern for the welfare of my fellow Christians becomes the key for for me deciding what is right to do and what is wrong to do paul puts it this way where he contrasts knowledge and love paul says many of you are knowledgeable and you know you are well aware of what is right and what's wrong what's against god's law and what's in in uh, in accordance with god's law paul says you know so much that you drive yourself crazy here's what paul says knowledge separates love brings together ah thank you god knowledge separates love brings together uh it is uh, here's here's what i should be getting to here's why i should be getting in my walk with the lord not where i'm saying okay uh god didn't say this is wrong i should be able to do it paul says it is is not a matter of knowledge it's a matter of love here is what should be governing what i choose to do as a christian is it loving for me to say this when it might cause my brother or sister to stumble is it loving for me to go here when it might cause my brother or sister to stumble? Is it loving for me to do this or that if it might cause my brother or sister to stumble? Is it loving for me to eat this when it might cause my brother or sister to stumble? It's not enough that it's permissible for me to do. Will my doing it be a stumbling block to somebody else? Because Paul says, "Ah, if it is a stumbling block to somebody else, not only am I sinning against them, but I'm sinning against God. Ah, so here it is. Here it is. Give, me, give me a few more moments. Paul gives us three characteristics. Thank you, Paul. Three characteristics of real Christianity. I can not hear y'all. Hot here, y'all. Uh, Paul gives us three characteristics of real Christianity. Christianity. And I don't know about you, but I'm not after this uh this fake uh Christianity, this run-the-mill status quo Christian. No, I want to be the Christian that God has called me to be. I want him to look at my life and the fruits that come from it and say, That's what I intended when I gave Christianity to this world. And so Paul gives us three characteristics of real Christianity right here from the Word of God. Y'all ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Write these down. Uh, real Christianity, number one real christianity is other centered ah thank you paul real christianity is other centered watch what paul says paul says in verse 19 if you following with me we're in chapter 9 paul says for though i am free from all men paul says uh, listen let, let's be clear about this thing i am free from all men. I, I I don't owe anybody anything. Uh, I can't be bought or sold. I'm not a puppet. I don't have any contractual obligation to any man or any woman. Paul says I'm free from all that. In fact, a little earlier in chapter 9 you can read it in your spare time a little earlier in chapter 9 here's what paul says he outlines how god makes it very clear that for the man or woman who works according to the gospel they should be able to live off of the gospel in other words uh, those who work for the cause of christ should be compensated for working as a profession for the cause of christ now paul says Paul says, here's what I did, even though I fit the bill to be able to be compensated for what I do, Paul says, I don't take none of y'all money. I don't take any of your resources. Here's why. He says, Cause I don't want to owe nobody nothing. I don't want you to think that I owe you something. I, I don't want you to think that I'm obligated to do this. Paul says, I need to make one thing clear. I am free from all men. can't be bound. Can't, can't be bought or sold. I'm not a puppet. But watch this, y'all. Here's where it gets good. Paul says, even though I'm not owned by you and I don't own you anything, I willingly make myself a servant to y'all. This is the word of God, right? This ain't even me. Paul said, Paul says, even though I don't owe you anything, even though you don't own me, he said, I willingly have turned myself into a servant for you. It, and listen, uh, when I read this thing and listen to this, it reminds me of the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, uh, uh, speak, speaking to his, his creation, he said, listen, I wanna make one thing very clear. Uh, y'all can't take my life. No matter how many plans you have, you can't kill me. You can't take my life. Jesus said, I willingly lay, oh, come on. God said, I willingly lay down my life you can't take it you can't kill me you can't hurt me because i can think a thought and drop and make you drop dead jesus says you don't take my life i willingly lay it down i believe it's another level of christianity another level of spirituality when you can stand up and say listen i don't owe y'all a thing uh you don't own me you can't make me do anything i have no real obligation to do anything But I am choosing to make myself a servant. And my question is, Brother Paul, why would anybody who is free from all men willingly make themselves into a servant? Good question. Here's why Paul says, here's why I do it, because I want souls. Hallelujah. Paul says the reason, the reason why I go through everything I go through, the reason why I take my time and I write these letters, the reason why I toil with y'all and I have patience with y'all, even though you get on my last nerve, is because I wanna see souls saved to see heaven burst wide open with souls of people paul says listen make make no mistake about it i am free from y'all but i'm making myself a servant because i want to see y'all saved and here's the reality help me holy ghost here is the reality that most christians don't truly care about winning souls there i said it myself included care about winning souls and you can see it in how we act in board meetings. you can see it and what we emphasize in business meetings you can see it and how we go about program programming and planning we do not have souls in mind paul said everything i do is because i want to see souls saved here's the harsh reality uh, here's the harsh reality there are many of us even on this stream who have not led one soul to jesus in the entire time we've been in the church how is that possible? If my Christianity does not result in the winning of souls, it is not the Christianity Jesus is looking for. Paul says, you don't own me. I make myself a servant because I want to see souls saved. Because he recognizes that real Christianity is other-centered. Not only that, not only that we have two more left. Paul says, Paul says, Real Christianity is adaptive. Ah, Paul says real Christianity is moldable. Paul says real Christianity is able to contort itself. It's able to bend but not break. It's able to be versatile depending on what the situation calls for. Here, watch what he says. He says, he says, uh, uh, I, I wanna see souls saved. He says, so because I wanna see souls saved, when it comes to Jews, I'll become a Jew because I wanna save them. Paul says, when it comes to those who, who are in love with the law, I'll become like someone in love with the law because I want to save them. <laughs> Paul says, when it comes to someone who don't have the law, I'm going to become like someone who don't have the law. I'm not going to sin against God, but I'll become like someone who doesn't have the law because I want to save them who don't have the law. Paul Paul says when it comes to the weak, he said, I'm strong in the Lord. But he says, I'm going to become weak because I want to save those who are weak. Paul says that real Christianity, secondly, is adaptive the ability to fit in various environments as to be accepted by the ones who find comfort in those environments in order to save their souls. What does that mean? That means then that I can be in a small group setting and I can fit in in a small group setting even if I'm not really familiar with how it works that means that i can vibe with the young people to gospel hip-hop even if that's not my preference of songs to listen to that means i can appreciate the simplicity and the order of more conservative churches even if that's not my preference that means that i can appreciate the change and the free spiritedness of other churches even if that's not my preference that means that i can hang with groups that utilize spoken words and the arts as their way of worshiping and praising God, even if I'm not artsy and crafty, because I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to become a major part of whoever I need to be a part of, if it means that I can save somebody's soul. And here's the truth as it is in Jesus, that too many of us are so in love with the way we want to see things. We're so in love with our own comfort level. We're so in love with our own preference that we are more willing to see people die eternally than to change our preference. Paul says, not me. I'm standing with Brother Paul, I'm saying, not me. I am willing to mold. I'm willing to bend. I'm willing to contort. I'm willing to do, I'm willing to fit in. Even if I would never choose to do that in my own, uh, in my own strength, I'm gonna do it because I wanna see souls saved. Paul says real Christianity is other centered. Real Christianity, I'm I'm melting right now, I need to hurry up. Real Christianity is adaptive. Here's the last one. Real Christianity is focused, is gospel focused. Did you catch that? Real Christianity is gospel focused. Watch what Paul says. Paul says, Paul says, I am free from all men, but I make myself a servant because I want to see souls saved. I'll be like a Jew for the Jews. I'll be like one having a law for those who are under the law. I'll be like those without the law for those without the law. I'll be weak for those who are weak because I want to see souls saved. He said, listen, he said, listen, I have become all people because I want to see them saved. And watch, Paul says, I have not done all of this because I want a pat on the back. Paul says, I, I, I haven't done all of this because I want you to tell me I've done a good job. I don't want you to, I, I, I haven't done all this because I want you to, to, to put up a, a picture, uh, uh, hang up a picture with my face on it to show how, how important I am in the job that I did. No, Paul says, I've done everything I've done for the sake of the gospel. And because I want to partake in that same gospel, I'm working to see people saved into. Here's my question, y'all, before, we, before I'm done. What lengths are you willing to go to for the sake of the gospel? What changes are you willing to make for the sake of the gospel? I don't know about anybody else. I can't answer for nobody else. I am willing and I'm ready to do anything that results in souls being saved shy of going against the saith the Lord. I'll do anything. Regardless of how uncomfortable it makes me, I'll do anything. It means that people can meet Jesus. Listen, as we finish, we're about to pray. I just want to take a few, moments, a few moments just to appeal to somebody right now who's watching this. I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what part of this text or sermon you find yourself in. I just want to let somebody know uh, about a God who had no limiters to what he was willing to do to win your soul. He, he said nothing is too much. What? Listen, listen, uh, we, we talk about uh, uh, styles of music and styles of worship and uh, this, this verse. Jesus left heaven save souls it don't get no more uncomfortable than that i want to tell you about a jesus who left the comfort of heaven to make himself uncomfortable utterly uncomfortable just because he said your soul is worth it and if you do not have the assurance of salvation if you have not made the decision to give your life to god and to give your heart to god i would invite you right now to give him your life I wanna invite you right now. You can find uh, me on Facebook. You can, find, uh, you can find Pastor Myron on Facebook. You can pass, uh, find Pastor Regina on Facebook and you can write us a message. You can, you can let us know that, that, you wanna, uh, that you wanna give your heart to God. You wanna be baptized. You wanna have Bible study. We just wanna make sure that nobody leaves this stream without their calling an election being sure, without making sure that Jesus has your heart. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. You can reach out to any of the three of us and we will make sure that we follow up. God, we thank you today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to hear your word. We thank you, Lord, for, for trusting us with Christianity. Lord, we haven't always used it the way that we should. We haven't always practiced it the way that you would have us to, God. And for that, we're sorry. Forgive our hearts and help us, Lord, to display real Christianity to a world that needs it. And we now recognize, God, that real Christianity is other-focused. It ain't focused on ourselves. Uh, But we we recognize right now that real Christianity is adaptive. It's not about my preference and what I want to do. And we recognize, God, that real Christianity is gospel-focused. Help us to make the saving of souls our utmost priority. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.